as you know, Pastor Scott uh, couldn't be here this morning. He is with our sister church in Cuba, and uh, he's actually pastoring right now uh, as we are gathered together, so are they. And we have a brief word uh, that he recorded before his trip, so turn your attention to the screen. Good morning, Belle Isle Community Church. Pastor Scott here, and as you can tell, I am not with you uh, today, but you're in good hands with Pastor John and Bruce and the worship team. You're going to have a wonderful service. I am in Las Tunas, Cuba, and this is our sister church that we have had a relationship with for many, many, many years. And as you know, we received an offering of over $5,000 during Lent, and it is my privilege uh, to go and deliver those much-needed funds to the people of Cuba. They are having a difficult, difficult time, but yet, in spite of all the persecution and trials that they are dealing with, the church is growing and it is exciting. I'm going to be sending some photos and also some videos, and then I will be back next Sunday, and we'll be, we'll be continuing our series on discovering the names of God. I will be teaching on how Jesus intercedes for us. His name is the Intercessor and we're going to be talking about how he intercedes for our needs and our issues. And it's going to be a wonderful time together. So enjoy your service together today. Know that I'm with you and I'm down preaching to uh, a community event in Las Tunas and also in the church on Sunday morning. And I'll be back Monday morning in Orlando. So I look forward to seeing you next Sunday. God bless you. Woo. We love Pastor Scott. He is awesome, and we're grateful that he's able to make that connection. And I want to actually give you guys an update. We recorded this video right after Easter, and in Easter service, we had told you guys that during Lent you raised just over $5,000, and I mentioned that Easter Sunday was your last chance to give because Scott was flying out this week, uh, and you guys listened and gave like another $1,200 uh, on Easter Sunday, so that amount ended up being over 6000 Thank you so much. Uh, the generosity of this church, it blows me away. Uh, every time we put a need in front of you guys, uh, you're so faithful to give. And so I want to thank you for that, for your generosity, for your sacrificial giving throughout Lent. Uh, it warms my heart, and I know that it warms God's as well. He says that he loves a cheerful giver, and it's clear to me uh, that we've got a lot of cheerful givers here in the church. So <sighs> now for the message. You guys know me. You know that I don't, I don't take, like, the easy subjects. <laughs> like, when I come up here and I preach, I, I don't shy away from difficult things, and I don't shy away from, from challenging us and the, the preconceived notions that we have about Scripture and about stories that we've read in Scripture, stories that we're intimately familiar with. And I want to take us back to just a week ago when Jesus was on the cross. And I wanna talk over the next 20, 30 minutes about the crying out from the cross that Jesus did. If, uh, if you were here for the Good Friday event, how many of you uh, that are here this morning were at the Good Friday event that you attended? Yeah, we had like 120 some people show up, which was amazing. And during that event, one of the stops along this journey was in the chapel and when you were in the chapel, you saw and heard a video. Before the song came on, you heard the, uh, the, the sounds of the crucifixion. And you actually got to hear someone yell out, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And that phrase we're going to sit on this morning. We're going to talk about the ramifications of what Jesus said, the context of why he said it and what it means for us today. And we're going to talk about how God the Father treated Christ, how he treats us as our dad. And uh, it's going to be a little spicy. So just get ready. It's going to be good. So I want to I first uh, start with uh, this passage of scripture in uh, Hebrews, if you want to put it up on the screen as well. Uh, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? That passage, I, I've joked before, so I, if you, if you haven't been here and you don't know, I used to work at Wycliffe Bible Translators for like seven years, and they, they talk about the language that you're born into is your heart language. It's the language that you think, dream, and pray in, right? And so uh, I joke that the New American Standard Bible is my heart language. Um, it's my favorite. It's, it's the one that I, I sit on. Um, and in this passage, it talks about, I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you. And we're talking about forsaking. You might be used to hearing that passage say forsake, but forsake means abandon and desert, okay? There's another passage, Sandra actually used it in the kids' message from Deuteronomy chapter 31. We can put that up there as well. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or in dread of them. For the Lord your God is the one who is going with you. He will not desert you or abandon you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous. For you will go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you will give it to them as an inheritance. And the Lord is the one who is going ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not desert you or abandon you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. So here's my question that I want to pose to you. If God isn't going to desert or abandon you, if he's not going to forsake you, what does that tell us about his character? What does it tell us about who God is? So God makes it very clear, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's a lot of hope in those words. In those passages, it says, do not fear, do not be dismayed. Don't be hopeless. Don't give up. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You can probably already have your wheels turning right now and you're starting to wonder, okay, John, so what are you, what are you trying to say? Like, when Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? Are you saying that God lied? No, I'm not saying that. Are you saying that, that God made it a part of his character that he's never going to forsake us, but he's cool with forsaking part of the Trinity instead? That doesn't, doesn't feel very good. And this is, this is a passage of scripture that I've read my whole life, right? I mean, <laughs> you can't get through Easter season without reading this passage, and it's always made me uncomfortable. And what have I said to you before? If I've got a problem with scripture, I've really got a problem with myself. Either I'm misinterpreting something, or I need to get over whatever I'm dealing with. It's making me question what the Word of God says. And so when I read this passage, I was like, okay, so either God is okay with forsaking a member of the Trinity, but not me, 
or my understanding of what Jesus said on the cross might need to be tweaked. Stay with me. In Matthew 27 is where we get this passage of Jesus saying, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we are going to read through this passage together and we're going to break it down a little bit, okay? Starting in verse 39 in chapter 27. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking Jesus and saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God, let God rescue him now. If God delights in him, he said, I am the son of God. You realize what the priests are saying? If God really is your dad, and he actually delights in you, let him save you. Imagine the pain that Jesus felt hearing those words. It almost makes sense that a few minutes later, Jesus would cry out, God, why have you forsaken me? Almost as if to, to, to reinforce what the priests are saying to him. That feeling of abandonment, that feeling of being forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But I want to give you a little bit of context. I hope you never get tired of that word context because I use it a lot. <laughs> uh, does anyone know what a psalter is? You can raise your hand if you do. Ooh, about two of you. Awesome. A psalter is the Psalms. It's all the Psalms, and it's only the Psalms. This is a, a little pocketbook that I have, and I could turn here, and I could go. Uh, I, it, it threw me off. I forgot that these Psalms are listed in Roman numerals, and uh, I'm not in high school anymore, so it's been a minute. Here we go. Psalm 23 uh, is on uh, page 37. So here we have uh, all of the Psalms. It's a very small font. That's why it's really tiny. Uh, but it fits in your pocket, at least if you're a guy. Being married for the last 10 years, I've learned that women's clothing, like, absolutely has no pockets ever. And I'm sorry. I just want to say I apologize. My, my wife has some jumpers that have pockets, and I love how excited everyone gets when they find out that it has pockets. Um, but I'm all for women's clothing having pockets. I just want to put that out there from the stage. I support you. Um, it's not fair. Pockets are great. <laughs> So uh, this Psalter, this little book of all of the Psalms, uh, would, would, would fit in your pocket, which is really great. Why am I talking about this? Because in Jesus' time, guess what? That's when these things were around. That's when they started. The priests, the rabbis, the rabbinic leaders, all of them would have a Psalter. And if they were really spiritual, guess what? They would have memorized it. The whole thing, the entire book of Psalms, memorized. They carry it with them in their pocket. They carry it with them up here because the idea was they would carry it with them in here. So they're hurling abuse at him, which right now I'm just going to pause real quick. Would God have called it abuse if it was true? I don't know. But they're hurling abuse at him. 
saying, if you really are the son of God, if God's really your dad, if he really cares about you, let him save you. And Jesus responds, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Again, almost as if to reinforce what they're saying. But did you know that he is quoting a psalm? Psalm 22. And I'm going to read the entirety of Psalm 22 for you. Because I want you to understand what was going through the mind of Christ as he hung on that cross. As they were hurling abuses at him. As they were mocking him. As they were deriding him. As they were telling him, if God really is your dad, let him save you. And he responded with the opening line of Psalm 22. Remember, the chief priests now are the ones mocking him. The ones who would have memorized this psalm. The ones who would have heard, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then in their minds, they would have started having these wheels turning. Notice there's no mocking after Jesus says that phrase. He's about to die, but there's no more mocking between that phrase and his last breath. I think when Jesus said that, he kind of shut him up a little bit. Let's read this together. And, and this psalm is, is two things. It is both a, a prophetic word about the crucifixion of Christ, and, and, and I believe, we, we don't know for sure, but I believe it is also a, a product of what David was going through. Psalm 22 is, is right before Psalm 23, which is the valley of the shadow of death. He's clearly going through a, a bit of a rough time as he's writing. And so in Psalm 22, we start, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest, yet you are holy. Oh, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel, in you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag the head, saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. See, the chief priests didn't even realize they were fulfilling prophecy as they were mocking Christ. Verse 9, yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. You made me trust when upon my mother's breasts. Upon you I was cast from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bowls have surrounded me. Strong bowls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws. And you lay me in the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. Why? Because they're broken. I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. But you, O oh Lord, be not far off. O oh, you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword, 
my only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen, you answer me. I will tell of your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. For he is not despised nor bored the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. Remember that line, we're going to come back to it. But when he cried out to him for help, he heard. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust will bow before him, even he who cannot keep his soul alive. Posterity will serve him. It will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born, that he has performed it. The psalm starts kind of dark. Can you hear the pain in David's voice? Imagine the pain that Christ was feeling, the, the deep emotional wounding, uh, the pain of, of someone so divinely perfect becoming sin on our behalf and being murdered on a cross. Yes, the pain was there. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think God actually forsook Christ on the cross. Did you know the father turned his face away is nowhere in scripture? It's just in a hymn. It's a hymn that I love, to be fair. But that line kind of has always bothered me. Because nowhere in scripture does it say the father turned his face away. As a matter of fact, it says in the psalm that Jesus was directly quoting if I can scroll fast enough, and, and uh, I didn't highlight it. So uh, verse 24, for he has not despised nor bored the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. Scripture actually specifically tells us that God did not hide his face from Jesus. I mean, it's, it's right there, it's black and white. And, and, and here's the other thing. He has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, not the affliction of the forsaken one. The afflicted. Was, was, was Jesus in despair? Yeah, he was. Did he suffer the wrath of God? Yeah, he did. On all of our behalf. He died for us, literally died for us. And it's because of that death that we have new life. But here's the thing, I don't believe for one second that the, the Godhead, the Trinity, was broken that day. What would that even look like? What would that even mean? What hope would we have that he really won't forsake me if he would actually forsake his own son? The Father didn't turn his face away. He didn't, he didn't abandon Jesus on the cross. I think he was there watching and weeping as his son died. You know, in, in 2017, when I was depressed and suicidal and wanted to die, I mean, that's what suicidal means, but when I was going through all of that, there was a voice in my head saying that I was forsaken. 
wasn't God's. It wasn't God's. And so I ask you this, do you think Jesus was hearing a voice in his head saying, God has forsaken you? And do you think it was his own dad? No. No, because if I believe for one second when I was sitting on my bed with a gun in my hand, that God forsook me for real, I wouldn't be here. But I have hope. I have hope because, because Jesus was on the cross, because he, he died for me. And here's the thing. God is a God of love, right? And not just a God of love, but he is love, right? Okay, so if God is love, how could, how could he forsake his son? If scripture tells us that he doesn't forsake us, and we are now his sons and daughters because we've been adopted, is, is this clicking? Is, is, are, the, are the wheels starting to turn? Am I going to be driven out with pitchforks? Am I a heretic? I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. You guys laughed. I, I don't know if that laugh is good or bad. <laughs> it's like, oh, just wait till you get down from there, preacher. Good luck. <sighs> there was uh, one other point I wanted to make here. A few minutes after quoting Psalm 22, uh, we read in, in Luke 23, uh, Jesus, he says this, uh, Luke 23, verse 46, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. These are tender words, very tender words, to someone who just abandoned him on a cross, to someone who just forsook him, or Father, to your hands I commend my spirit tenderness. I don't believe that the, the unity of, of the, the Trinity was, was broken that day. I can't believe it because it doesn't make sense. But what does make sense is that God, a father, loved all of us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for us. Not because he hated us, but because he loved us. He sent Christ not to condemn us, but to save us. Because he loves us. You see, the problem with believing that God the Father forsook God the Son on the cross is that it sets up, uh, honestly, a pretty commonly held belief that I hate, that God is the mean one, who wants to punish us, that, and Jesus saved us from God. What absurdity is that? God the Father is the one who sent Jesus in the first place. It was his idea. Before the foundations of the world, God knew that we were going to fail, and he planned to send his son from a day before days existed. He is the one who loves us so deeply to give us his son. Jesus didn't save us from God. He saved us from ourselves. He saved us from our own brokenness. God loves you so much that he wants to see you whole. He wants to see you in, in unity with him and not a, not a dangerous unity that might be broken in the future if you mess up. Not a dangerous unity where you might actually be forsaken because God's fickle. No, a real unity, a genuine 
unity with the Father. That's what, that's what Jesus came here for. That was the, the point, was unity. It, it's, this kind of comes full circle to the very first message that I ever had the opportunity to preach in front of you a couple years ago. That, that Jesus didn't come to, to forgive our sins, that, that he came to restore us into a right relationship with God, that he might live inside of us. Uh, as, as, um, Pastor John, uh, during the offering, talked about the Bible being full of mysteries. Mysterion is my favorite word in scripture. It talks about the greatest mystery, the hope of glory that we have, the indwelling Christ. The greatest mystery in the Bible that, that God himself dwells within us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal this from Garrett, who stole it from a friend of his, who stole it from a pastor, and that I heard in a, in a devotional in, in the staff meeting a, a week or two ago. Uh, and he actually shared uh, this uh, during our uh, uh, Lent services uh, about a month ago. If you were there when, when Garrett was leading the Lent service, you would have heard this as well. But the God who is somewhere, uh, the God who is everywhere, look, I already messed it up. It's not my quote. The God who is everywhere desires to be somewhere. And that somewhere is you. Yeah, he's everywhere. But he wants to be in you. That's where he wants to dwell. That's where he wants to reside. That, that word dwell that we read in John 15 where Jesus is telling his disciples, as you abide in me and I in you. When he talks about abiding, when he talks about dwelling, he's talking about making a home. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that you could live together in perfect unity forever. That is a message of hope. That is a message of the goodness of God. It's not a message of an angry dad forsaking his son on a cross to die because his illegitimate children screwed up too much. No, 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 no. It's a message of hope. It's a message of hope. Yeah, praise God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This memory that they had of the Psalms. Imagine being one of them hurling abuses, mocking him, insulting him. And then Jesus says that, and then you're immediately taken back to Psalm 22. You know, when he says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit, he's quoting another psalm, by the way. I believe it's Psalm 34. It's in my notes. And uh, 31. Psalm 31. I'm going to turn to that real quick. You can follow along if you want. We don't have a slide for it. It's, a, it's another long one. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the beginning. And then we'll move on. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me quickly. Be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. You will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand, I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. These are the two psalms that were running through our Savior's mind as he hung on the cross for us. 
reminders of God's goodness, reminders of his hope, reminders of his tender love. He didn't turn his face away. God doesn't abandon you in your sin. He doesn't walk away. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't get so sick of the mistakes that he can't stand to be in your presence anymore. And so as uh, we close, I want to just respect the heaviness of what we've talked about. And I want to invite anyone who needs prayer, uh, whether that is for salvation, for, for deliverance, for hope. If, you're, if, you, if you have sickness in your body or in your mind, if, if you're feeling despair right now, if you came in these doors and the crud that you brought in is just brokenness and you just need someone to pray with you, I want to give you that opportunity. And we're going we're gonna to just kind of be for a few minutes. And so, uh, Pastor John, if you would actually come up and, uh, well, Bruce isn't here and Scott's not here, so it's Pastor John and I. Uh, but we're going to be here, we're going to pray. And so, uh, Gary, if you could just keep playing for a few minutes, uh, please feel free. And, and if you need prayer, uh, feel free to come to the front. If, if not, uh, I'll pray us out right now. You can, you can stay, you can, you can sit in here, you can leave. Uh, but just be respectful of, of the ministry happening here at the front. And again, I want to invite you, if you need prayer for anything, come down. Come down, because there, there is no tomorrow. There is no later today. We're here to pray with you. Let's close. Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. Thank you for the hope that you gave me all those years ago. Thank you for saving me from myself. I pray, Lord, that you would save all of us. Help us to see the truth of your love and your grace and your glory this morning. We love you, Lord. And it's in your son's name that we pray.